0: Welcome to my podcast. My name is Dr. Brendan McCarthy. I am the Chief Medical Officer of Protea Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome. Today, I wanted to go a little bit more into the idea of hyperpalatable foods, food addiction, and how to break it. Because I see it. You remember, on previous podcasts, I've talked about the different reasons why people gain weight one of them would be hormone imbalance. You know, if a woman has hyperestrogen, a lot of cycles with a lot of estrogen, she can make too much insulin from that, okay? That's a fact. And so we'll run those labs. I'll see high insulin. I'll see a history of high estrogen if I don't actually see it in the moment uh, because sometimes I'm seeing them, you know, towards down the road when they no longer have the high estrogen, there's gonna be premenopausal, so they're gonna be lower estrogen. But the history of the high estrogen back here with the insulin, it's already set. So I treat them a certain way. Other people would be due to chronic stress. Cortisol irregularities cause the insulin to be high. You know, I have to treat them a certain way as well. With this, these are the patients, what we're gonna talk about today, these are the patients that present to clinic and the diet they're eating is causing their weight gain and their diabetes. We are so used to being shamed for our weight. It's our fault. We have no self-control. It's on us. The blame is on us. I was watching Painkiller a couple nights ago with my wife, and there was a scene in there where the the OxyContin, because this is about the Sackler family, the wonderful people. I'm not serious. The, the the pain you know, OxyContin was on the market and there started to be more blowback saying, Hey, these people are addicted to this and it's causing health problems. And how the Sacklers dealt with it, he literally said, blame the addict. Not the drug, blame the addict. And it's like that with my patients who come to clinic who are overweight. They're used to being blamed. When you go to your doctor, and let's just be honest here, medicine has, it's so one-dimensional right now with weight loss. You go to your doctor for weight loss, What do they do? So little. There's very one-dimensional. And a lot of times you leave that appointment feeling blamed and and you feel shame because they don't have an answer. So they just blame you. And I know you're out there and I know you've experienced this. I, I want you to know, I know that. And I see it in my clinic. That population has been so abused and so shamed and so taken advantage of, and you're still being taken advantage of. You still are. We know, and I went over in a previous episode, but I'm going to kind of be superficial with it right now. We know that food has been manipulated. We know that a lot of the food manipulation started with the big tobacco industry when they, they, they started buying up big food in the 1980s. They started manipulating the ratio of salt, sugar, and fat to make their foods hyper palatable. If you want, pause and Google that. There's a fascinating amount of research regarding this all over the place. Food has been manipulated for decades now to make it addictive because that is a business model. The problem with it is is that it is harming all of us and it's just terrible. But through their manipulation of salt, sugar, and fat, they create food that you just keep eating. You keep craving it. You can't stop. And they use something called the bliss point and something called the sensory specific satiety point. So what they do is they make it where you eat it and it feels amazing, but you never feel full from it. They move out that sensory satiety set point out further. So you keep eating it and you never feel completely like it's enough. And you can physically feel full, but man, there's always room for just a little bit more. And the people benefiting from that are the people selling it at the the other end, the 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 companies which is pathetic if you think about it. Let's just pause for a second. I know this is not part of the presentation here, but let's think about it. How many of those executives in these companies have family members who are addicted to these foods and have diabetes? (laughs) You know, how many members of the Sackler family or people that they're friends with or family with are addicted to opiates and their lives have been ruined by opiates? Statistically, plenty, but they still did it. So let's get back to what's important, you. So I want you to know, It's valid. And what you're going through, no one told you that the food you went to the store for, you go buy that jar of marinara sauce and some pasta and you're throwing together dinner for the kids. You didn't know that you're creating something that was addictive and hyper palatable where you're going to eat more than you want or need or that you did that with your children. I have so many people I know who have so much shame over their children's health because they're feeding kids these things that they thought that's what you're supposed to do. So let's talk about what's hyper palatable. Okay. Hyper palatable foods will be things like, you know, behind the counter at the coffee shop, anything, the bakery section, there, (laughs) pastry, that's hyper palatable. Okay. We know snacks that are in the office, like donuts in the lounge or kitchen with potato chips, popcorn, you know, candy bowl that people put out there at work, hyper palatable. Healthy lunches, things that look like they're healthy. That would be like you go to the store and you like have those big salads they do. You know, those salads, if you really look them through, they have more calories and more salt and more sugar and more fat sometimes than a cheeseburger from McDonald's. Dead serious, it's true. It's the dressing that did it and all the other little add-ins in there that do that. They get it to be more hyper-palatable. That's, that's the name of the game. When you make a drive-through decision, and I'm a parent, and I get it. I get it. You bring your kids all over the place, all these you got to do. I get it. You think to yourself, how bad can a burger be? But it's not a burger anymore. Guys, it's not a burger anymore. The meat has been adulterated, adjusted. There's added things to it to stabilize it. There's added things to it to make it more flavorful. The bun is not the bun anymore. There's a lot of sugar in that, corn syrup. These are the things to process it so that you crave more of it. That's the business model. I want you to know I, I'm not you, there's no shame. Please know this. You didn't know it. You never knew. It's not like you're I walked up to you and handed you, you know, uh, cocaine. You know? And it goes back to my previous episode, by the way, because it makes sense if you saw the previous episode with cocaine and the cough drops. Because people didn't know back then about cocaine and cough drops were being bad. They used to eat the cough drop. They're like, I felt amazing. This stuff's great. You know, like you're hungry. You're like, hey, here's a burger. Here's a scone. Or Not even scones. Scones aren't even that great anymore compared to what they do make now. You know, they have those those little bars you can buy at Starbucks. are delicious, man. Coming up on that season, what are those things called? Do you remember what they are with the pumpkin loaf, pumpkin bar things? Those are good. But this is the thing you didn't know when you got your coffee that starting with just a coffee in the morning, now you've migrated from coffee to these, you know, incredibly complex drinks. They are delivery devices for sugar and fat into your body that make them addictive. The caffeine doesn't help. Starbucks is an addictive institution. They just are. I love their coffee, plain coffee. Sure, delicious. But everything else there where they make their money is an addictive compound that harms us. It just is. And I, I know that I hear some voices out there. I can hear voices in my head. <laughs> That's not crazy. I'm sorry, I can. Not really though, but I can hear like what people's arguments would be like, Brendan, come on, man. You, you, a good mocha every once in a while. It's still been manipulated. It's still an addictive compound. Just know that. I'm not telling you to do it or not do it. I'm just saying it is addictive. Whether we want to admit it or not, the research is clear. It is, there's no more arguments on this. It's an addictive compound. Some of us are more addictive than others. It's just how it is. Some of us are wired that way and it leads them down a dark road. We know that kid foods, you know, kid foods are awful. Kid foods are so bad for us. You know, like fruit snacks and, and dino bites and, you know, chicken nuggets you buy. All that stuff is not real food. It's not real. That's why people crave it. Ice cream, which I'm guilty of. I love ice cream. I go in waves with it. But that's an addictive food too. These are all foods that have been manipulated to make them hyperpalatable. So when you're addicted to these foods because you've been exposed to them and you're on them now and you come to see me in clinic and I'm hearing you and I get a diet diary from you and I'm understanding you, I'm trying to get you off of these foods by shaming you it doesn't work. Doing what I just did just now, it doesn't work either. Just pointing out what's it what's a problem, food. Cause we all already know this is a fact. Okay, we know this. What does work then? What does help? The thing I want to point out now is Ozempic is so popular. Semaglutide is a medication and Majorno and all the variations within there, so popular right now. That doesn't work for this. It works to bring your weight down, but it will never treat the underlying cause of the weight gain and if you're eating those addictive foods while you're using a compound like semaglutide you may get some weight loss in the beginning but it doesn't last and you'll always hit walls where it stops your weight loss you'll hit these you basically you can't break through that that level i can't get any lower because if you're still eating these foods it just doesn't work very well and that's the solutions you're being given really from your regular doctors out there isn't it I mean, what are they giving you to stop your addictive food issues? They're just giving you something where you just keep taking this to keep your weight down. It kind of works, but the minute you stop taking it, you're gonna gain the weight back, and it's expensive. How is that medicine giving you solutions? This is where I get frustrated with medicine. That is such a non-solution. What that is is a profit margin. That's a profit creator. I'm not against semaglutide at all. I know what it is. I know its use. It is a great tool to use to get someone's weight down when their body weight is dangerously high and there's something going on with their health. it's something to help move their weight down. If the weight is causing pathology, we should be using it. It's a good thing. But we shouldn't use the standalone. We need to understand the addictive component of the foods. So how do we treat that? Sometimes we'll use naltrexone in my office. Now naltrexone is a drug that's used for addiction and it affects the dopamine receptors in the brain. And when you consume a food that would be uh, addictive potentially by taking the naltrexone, it really does inhibit that dopamine surge in your brain. So it, it makes it where you eat the food, but you don't really get that hit from it. That exciting, like, Oh my God, I love this feeling. So that helps. In some cases we'll use that. And, uh, um, that's called the Sinclair method. And we use that with alcohol. We also use that using naltrexone for alcohol. And we also use that for naltrexone with food addictions. And sometimes that is effective. That can be helpful. Sometimes we'll work on our patients to start doing fasting, giving them longer breaks between meals, to help them stop having that cycle of addiction where you consume the food, you get the rush from the food, and then as it starts to go back down, you crave the food again. We try and let them go longer between servings of those foods to help break that addiction, ha- addictive habit as well. Another thing we use that we've been using a greater frequency is a continuous glucometer. So we get these continuous glucometers. We put patients will put on their 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 arm or they put on their abdomen or their 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 hip and these glucometers test the blood sugar every few minutes and Bluetooth it to your phone. And so why we use that is because we train our patients to wait till their blood sugar levels get down to a certain level before they eat. And everyone's different. We ultimately want everyone's blood sugar down below a certain point. But some people their blood sugar is up here and I can't tell them, okay, you gotta get this down to 80. So don't eat now until it gets to 80. It doesn't work that way. We have to say, okay, say your average resting blood sugar is like 140, 150. Okay, I'm going to say, okay, you're 150 today. I don't want your fasting as 150. I don't want you to eat until it's 140 or 135. And we work with them. We do our best to get that number to go down. And then for a few weeks, we'll do that. And then we'll go even lower. And then we keep lowering it further and further and further. And say, okay, I want to have a longer patch of time where your blood sugar is low or in the healthy range. I don't want to have a low, low blood sugar, but I want to get it lower, bring it down into the normal range, the healthier range. So we keep driving that number down through extending the time between meals and telling them not to eat until their blood sugar hits a certain point. Another cool thing about using a continuous glucometer with these people is once you put it on them, they eat the food, they can see what it does to their blood sugar right away in real time on their phone. So they can track the impact food is having on their blood sugar and they can have no doubt that when they eat that burger, this is what their blood sugar did. When they, when they ate that, that uh, um, processed snack, when they went to Starbucks and had that mocha frappuccino or that pumpkin spice latte or whatever it was they had, they could see the impact it has on their blood sugar. And what that does let them do is lets them be aware of the impact these foods are having on them so they can make the educated decision on discontinuing it. Now, you could say to me, Brendan, I know I can't go this long without this food. And I know that I've lived that life. I know what it's like to be, have a food. You're like, I eat this every day. This is part of my life. And I know what it's like to have. I, see, my coffee would always have three scoops of sugar in it or ice cream. I love the ice cream. Or there was a time where I like it. We all have the certain foods we need to eat that are we don't need to eat. They're not good for us, but we still eat them. And I know it's like to feel like you're a slave to it in a way. I can tell you this though. Over time, you can break that. Food addiction is stoppable, just like smoking is. We can quit these things. It's possible. You just need help sometimes. But the first step, the most important step, is education. Becoming aware of it. Knowing that this is bad for you. As I mentioned in previous podcasts, I'll tell you this now and I'll close with this. People began quitting smoking in the 1950s. The smoking rate was about 50% of the US population in the 1950s, and it started dropping after that. The reason why it started dropping is because people became aware that this is not good for them. The more you're aware that these foods have been manipulated to take advantage of you, to take money from you, to benefit a few people at your expense of your health, the more you're going to stop doing those things the more you're gonna lean more towards eating traditional foods, real foods, true foods. Foods that are not processed or manipulated. I hope this helps. Please like, share, and subscribe. If this is something that's been affecting you, please comment below, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you are, please comment. You know, this is the sort of thing I wanna be helpful for you. I know I can't see all of you. I know that, and I'm not trying to, and I'm not that guy trying to build up business for myself even a little. My goal with this is to be helpful to you. And if I can help one of you, just one of you, I'll feel like it's worth this effort. Justin and I feel very strongly about that. If I can help anybody break from these foods, break from this addiction, if I can help anyone become a little bit healthier, we feel really good about what we do. It really means a lot to us. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time.